Today on Sagittarian Matters, haunted houses, spooky cats, time management, how to pick a psychic, and more. With my guest, Jessica Lignato. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the Jessica Lignato is an internationally respected astrologer and psychic medium who has been in private practice with clients all over the world since 1995. She's a triple Capricorn. She joined me from her home in Oakland, California, and you can find her and her horoscopes at lovelignato.com. Jessica Lignato, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. I couldn't be happier to be here. Thank you for having me. We need a real question here. We need a real question. Which of the questions do you choose as your first real advice? Uh, That's a great question you ask of me. Um, Gosh, Um, there are a couple questions. Can Can I give you choices or should I really just choose one and be decisive like a Capricorn? Just be decisive like a Capricorn. Shit. Let's do the psychic one first. Okay, the psychic one first. So the question is, what should I look for when choosing a psychic for a reading? And what are some ways to gauge whether or not a psychic is reputable? Mm, good question. Good question. And I also want to ask this for animal communicators too. Yes. Oh my God, that's, a, that's great. Um, because we do not all do the same thing right now. I'm not communicating with them, but they're communicating with each other. If you guys could see what we are seeing here, it's... Animal planet with lots of cute rugs. It's it's a lot going on. Um, so I'm actually curious because I have, of course, answers being both an animal communicator and a psychic. But I'm curious because you've seen both. Mm-hmm. So what is your answer? What is your... I mean, I go by word of mouth. And then I think about how susceptible the person giving me the recommendation is to... Smart. Hoo-ha. I don't know. What do you call it? But like, like, just like I have certain friends that will believe anything from anyone as long as you say it's like new age or witchy. And so those people I'm like, okay, well, their their reference counts like 25 percent. But I have other friends that are like, I was a skeptic and I this and I that or, you know, just people that are a little bit more like they would go to like a medical doctor. Those people. Ponyo, come here. Pardon me. Get come here. Do you not hear that growling from the cat? She's going to murder you. She's going to kill you. Just stay here with us. Um, But so, you know, the people that I know that are like, this person knew this or this. The people that I know that I I think are a little bit less, um, you know, people that don't go with the flow quite as much, but then who still like somebody. I mean, I don't feel like you need to like test out every magician, test out every psychic, test out every everyone, be like. Well, how many fingers are, am I holding behind my back? Jessica Lignato. You know, I don't know if I think people need to do that, but um, yeah. That's how I gauge it, and I go by reputation. That's, those are really good spots. And also, you know, it's 2018 at the time of this recording, which means there's Yelp, there's like Google reviews, and there are most I – wouldn't, I wouldn't say all by a long shot, but most um, people who do this kind of work prefer- – <laughs> <laughs> That was really intense. Sorry. You guys have to know that there's like serious animal planet. You can come here. I feel like the cat wants to eat the dog, but the dog low-key wants to eat the cat. I think they just want to know each other, but they don't know how. Yeah. Oh, God. What a relationship trope. The cat's Um, coming on the couch because I have the dog on the couch, and the dog is on the couch. Come on. I don't know what's going on. Nobody knows. Go, Ponyo. Go, run. Be free. No. Oh my God. Freedom isn't free, and that is a lesson for us all. Yeah. I mean, it has its own price. Um, so, okay. So, one way of doing it is definitely read reviews. Um, and a lot of people, even if they're not on Yelp or whatever, they have client reviews on their website, which are not necessarily the most reliable things because I can write all my own reviews, I suppose. But, um, but they are worth reading because they may be real. Not everybody, you know, we have to be that suspicious. I am as a professional psychic astrologer and animal communicator, I do get people contacting me being like, will you give me a free reading so that I can know whether or not you're legit? And the answer is always absolutely no. no. It is disrespectful to ask any professional for a free service to determine whether or not you think that they are good. That is, uh, it is a faux pas, my friends. It is a faux pas. So don't do that. But um, I do think that 
in 2018, there is the potential for uh, people to have blog posts and, you know, all kinds of other things that allow you to see their values, their integrity, and to see how they interact with other people. Um, because most people have professional, you know, like kind of like public careers right now because social media makes everything so public. Um, but really nothing replaces a personal referral. Nothing. Now that doesn't mean everyone has access to a friend who's seen yeah. a psychic and that's, that's the limitation. You know, most of the people that I work with, um, maybe not now, but for the bulk of my career, they are not people who would see a psychic. Like they're not necessarily woo-woo people because yeah. I have a very pragmatic yeah. approach. Um, and I think, you know, to a certain extent, just like with seeing a gynecologist or a dentist or a vet, you just have to take a risk and you have to be discerning and um, use your best judgment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I something you touched on, which I want to say to people is also think, do you appreciate their point of view? Because that's the lens. So like you could be the most psychic person in the whole wide world. And if your point of view, like your lens through which you projected things did not match up with mine, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't matter. Absolutely. Just like, I mean, like when I try to have friends edit my work, I get friends whose point of view I respect. They understand what I'm getting at. They know how to get me there. The things they say are in line with things that I like. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that kind of person can get you to your higher self. 100%. And, you know, and I can do 10 amazing readings that are transformative for a person. And then one person can come in and on paper, we agree about lots of things, but we don't resonate. And I am not able to kind of like locate with them in a way that really clicks. And sometimes that's about point of view. Sometimes it's just chemistry, just like any other relationship. And, and again, you know, the thing about psychics is that when when people go to a psychic they're often like either being wildly guarded and testing or they abandon all discretion and both of those things are a mistake i think that the wisest thing to do with a psychic is what you would do with a doctor or a mechanic listen be willing and open and use discernment and common sense. And I think that a lot of times with like psychic stuff, people abandon their common sense because they want to believe. Most people see psychics because they feel vulnerable and they're scared and they want help. And so there are absolutely some people who take advantage of that. And there are absolutely people who think they're helping, but they're not able to for whatever reason. And then there's lots of people out there who are really great at doing their job and helping. And so you just need to be willing to um, use critical thought, (laughs) ask your friends for feedback on what you heard. And, you know, something can feel really right. And then it probably is. But if you're uncertain, you know, that's just part of consulting. You know, if you consult with someone, you have to critically think, you know, does what this person said make sense for me? I think there's a danger in prediction, which is not to say that I don't predict. I do predict. But people almost every session I do ask me to make predictions and I say no about specific things because my experience is people ask the wrong questions. And Mm. when you ask the wrong question, you are not going to be helped by the answer. What do you mean the wrong question? There's so many wrong questions. Um, One, I'm trying to remember like last time that we did a podcast together, I even think that the person who asked a question about, you know, why do all my relationships, what was that? Do you remember it? It was like they were feeling very attached to somebody who was moving in a month and this was a pattern for them. Yeah. And I remember what they were asking is like, why is this my pattern? And that was the wrong question because it wasn't a pattern. This person would like get into two month long relationships and be like, the love of my life is leaving. And so the real question is, why do I attach so much value and meaning to someone so quickly? And how does that backfire against me? And so a good um, kind of counselor style person, like who does psychic work, is going to be able to hear your question and help you understand, is that the right question or not? Because why people are leaving, if we had literally answered that, we wouldn't have given her a lot of help, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people often come in and they're like, well, so-and-so come back to me. Mm -hmm. And my answer is, I'm not going to answer that. Let's talk about whether or not if they come back to you, you should say yes, Mm -hmm. you know, because that is usually a no. And so I think that... um, I kind of am of the like Heidi Klum mindset. 
on Project Runway where she was like, you know, a good designer is not going to just make anything for anyone. You have to have your own integrity around like what's, what is it that you're offering? So I am not like a crystal ball and I'm not a fortune teller. Some people do those things. I am not. Um, I want to help people. And so when people want to know something out of um, an unhealthy part of themselves or out of scarcity or fear, answering it is, is kind of substantiating that fear or that scarcity. And that's not healing or helpful. So that's where I kind of tell people like, okay, let me tell you why I'm not going to answer that. Let's talk about what I think we should ask, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, sometimes a lot of times people are grateful and sometimes people are like, okay, fine. But could you also answer the question? And sometimes I will often I won't. I like this one. I enjoy people and socializing. Then I totally think this is my downfall because I care for others and neglect myself for uh, nourishing the act of creating art. What kind of advice do y'all suggest to discipline from distraction? So they like other people, but then they end up hanging out with them so much that they neglect their own art practice and then they resent the people. Is that what's happening? I mean, I don't know if they resent the people, but they're super bummed. Well, okay. Put on thy own oxygen mask first. Yeah. So you have to be a balanced dog before you have anything to offer other people. And if part of that is you having an art practice, you need to make time and space for it. And even if people are drinking, even if there's a party, even if blah, 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 you're like, I got to go to work. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was making Fetch, there's there's a gossip song or a Bethdo song that says the chorus goes, I'd like to stay and party, but I've got to go to work. And then I would be out with my friends and I would be like, okay, I stayed for like this one portion of the evening and now I'm leaving. And when people would be like, where are you going? I'd be like, I gotta go to work. <laughs> um, but I felt like I'd love to stay and party, but I gotta go to work. Sorry, everybody. Like, But for you, if you want to go to parties at night, make time for yourself during the day. Three days a week. How much time do you need? Even if you do 15 minutes a day of your art form, that's more than a lot of people get to do. Absolutely. I personally, me, I love scheduling. And for people who hate calendars and schedules, I call it time snapping. Capricorn, Capricorn. I basically Capricorn. like to rebrand scheduling so that people will do it. To so time snapping? Mm hmm. To time snap. So if you don't like scheduling, if you're like allergic to the idea of a calendar, then time snap. And time snapping is just when you color code the activities you want to do and you put them in specific uh, days. And you commit to time snapping in those days a specific amount of time at some point that day. Will you give me an example? Mm -hmm. Yes. So let's say I like to draw pictures of ponies with balloons. I'm just that kind of artist. Okay. But I hate calendars. And so I don't want to make plans, although that's the first part of advice. Just make some plans, schedule it in for a month in advance, every other day, twice a week, whatever works, to draw your ponies with balloons. But let's say I hate calendars. I never pay attention. Then what I would encourage that you do is time snap. And to time snap, what you do is you get a dry erase board and you can decorate it with ponies and balloons or a big piece of paper and you get lots of colors and you color code every time you are um, trying to set up, let's say 20 minutes of just drawing, you would do it in purple. Mm-hmm. And every time you want to, um, let's say, do an hour of like more serious art stuff, you would do it in red. And let's say you have to do some emailing related to like collaborating with someone you really like, then you would always do it in blue so that your brain automatically responds to the color and you don't have to think so much when you're looking at the, at your month ahead or your week ahead, depending on your personality. Usually time snappers need a month because so you get excited. So you get excited and it's an art project to create and maintain. Mm-hmm. And that art project is automated. So it takes a minute to establish it for each individual, but it's automated enough that it doesn't take tons of time and it doesn't become a distraction on its own. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of time snapping. In fact, um, something that you can do if you're a nerd like me is you can get, um, they have a chalkboard paint and it's clear and you can paint it in a rental over white paint, whatever. And then you can get chalk and you can do it straight onto your wall. So if you have like a tiny space and you don't have a lot of room and you don't want a stupid dry erase board, just paint a big, uh, clear, you know, see-through chalkboard paint on the wall. And then you don't even have to freaking worry about it when you move out. 
Well, you're welcome. You're welcome, people. You're welcome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Time snap. Time snap. That's nice. And then you can make time for your friends. Real talk. I mean, I also sit down and I'm like, who are the most nourishing people in my life? Okay, I want to go out of my way to make plans with those people. That's of value to me. That's important to me. And then I'm like, okay. Like if I have like maybe one social thing a day or three social things a week, that's a lot for me. Yeah. And I am kind of an introvert in some ways. Every time I go out and I'm social, I need to have like a few hours by myself to just replenish my chi. I feel so, you know, I'm not usually going to run home and do art the minute after I'm done hanging out with my friends. Oh my God. For real. Yeah. It's really, uh, you know, for me, I'm not an artist, but I do a lot of writing for my work and it is creative. I mean, it's not creative writing, like writing a novel, but it is, uh, it requires creative juices. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I cannot go from socializing to that. And I think, that this is kind of like a part of, as an astrologer, I think it's part of growing up. It's part of uh, maturing from a Saturnian perspective is being able to prioritize the things that give you life over the things that give you pleasure. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So yeah, and and if you are committed to your art practice and if you love art, it's giving you life. And you have to ask yourself, even if it's one of your like besties and they nourish you, is that giving you life or is it giving you pleasure to do it instead of art, right? And and to create a, a balanced life doesn't always mean 50-50. Sometimes it just means um, having balance in the, the context of your months and years. And, and that means some months are more arty and some months are more social and that's fine. But making sure that your actions and your lifestyle reflect your values and your goals is on you. Mm-hmm. That's the move, guys. That's a good move. It's, it's the move. Today's episode of Sagittarian Matters is brought to you by Cute Fruit Undies, makers of extremely cute, comfy, and eco-friendly period panties, briefs, and pads, specializing in period panties with Trump's face in them and without, if that's not really your thing. Use offer code GETCUTE for free shipping at cutefruitundies.com or find them on Instagram at cutefruitundies. So I have an otherworldly question. Are you ready for Mm -hmm. it? So I need help navigating an otherworldly issue involving a new home and pets. My girlfriend moved into her home about a year ago. Since then, we've each experienced strange things in the house, moving shadows, apparitions, voices, etc. More disturbing, however, is the odd behavior of the cat's occurring alongside the activity they're even they've even taken to playing with specific bell toys once the activity starts that's so creepy um the creepiest experience was when i got a familiar uneasy feeling after hearing voices wait a second um uh, noises in the other room my girlfriend seemed worried but reassured me that it was just the cats immediately after she said that the bell toy slammed against the closed bedroom door is this all just a coincidence or is the activity affecting the cats any advice would be appreciated. Sincerely spooked in San Antonio. First of all, kudos for giving us a cute sign-off. Thank you. I usually have to make those up. You know what? Nine People times don't work that hard, but this person worked. Thank spooked. you. Spooked. What do I, I have nothing to say because I'm not an animal communicator. I think it's possible your house is haunted, but... Uh, who cares? I, I just, I've lived in so many houses where everyone, people were like, this is fucking creepy. And I was like, I don't know. I just made peace with the ghost. I was like, I'm here living in your house. I respect you. Let's just live together. And then we did. And then you did. Yeah. I mean, the the thing about the cats is, can cats uh, perceive things that you have a hard time accepting that you're perceiving? Yeah, of course they can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And can cats see things differently, physically speaking, than we do? Yes. Can they hear things differently? Yes, of course. Um, why they're choosing to play with a specific toy. Now, you see, this is where I, I can't be discerning. Because do these cats have many toys available to them and they're choosing this one toy? Or is this their toy? You know? So that's, I think, an important detail that I can't refer to. Um, this is my attitude about ghosts and some people are just automatically like you're saying people are automatically creeped out by ghosts sometimes i don't think that just because there's a ghost in your space or a spirit or an entity in your space that it's bad 
And like you said, it's like if you want to move into a, a place of the world, then that place is probably inhabited by spirits that existed before you. Um, so you kind of got to get along. Can't we all just get along? Um, and so I am a big believer in doing a couple things. If this has been going on since you moved in, first of all, clear the space. And clearing the space is not meant to be an aggressive act of like demon be gone. It's meant to be just like you probably wash the floors. You probably clean the tub. Why not energetically clean the space? And so an easy way to do that, or one of the easiest ways to do that is with Sage or Palo Santo. Um, when you light those tools, you can think of it as kind of like a dry eraser on a dry erase board. I don't know why I keep on referring to them in the podcast. It's <laughs> house is covered in dry erase boards. It's all it's just I have on the walls. It's <laughs> everywhere, guys. It's everywhere. Um, so yeah, so just think of it as like erasing, uh, clear, uh, blocked or stagnant energy, energy that's not yours, energy that doesn't belong there. And that's what the smoke is meant to do. And stay emotionally, mentally, mentally focused at the task at hand while you do it. Open all the windows. You should be able to. It's Texas. It's hot. Um, while you do it. And then afterwards, you know, you can spray it with like a lavender spray or like rose spray. Make it pretty. Make it nice. You will like it. And in doing that, um, you clear out the space and if there's something there that's not attached, it'll clear. And if it's attached, then it won't do much, but it will clear out the extra problem separate from the spirit. I'm hesitant to give real directive advice outside of that because I don't have enough information to know if this is like a bad vibes spirit or not. Mm -hmm. the, nothing in this description actually sounds like it's necessarily bad vibes, except again, I don't know, like, is this person easily freaked out and creeped out by this sort of thing? Or are they actually kind of like you? And then they're still creeped because that's yeah. a different thing, right? Yeah. It's so like, I'm like, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. And then right. I'm like, go, 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 ghosts <laughs> running out of the house with my hair standing on end. Yeah. Then you're like, Oh, that's serious. That's real. Exactly. So <laughs> I don't, I don't, it's not enough information to go off of. Not all spirits are, you know, quote, good or quote, bad. That's yeah. not a thing. Um, and, you know, you, you can't necessarily clear spirits that are attached to a space. You can maybe, but you shouldn't necessarily. Also, I want to know, were the cats in the other room? Like if the cats were in the other room and then you heard the cat throw their ball against the door, that's different than if you're sitting in bed and then you realize the cat's in the room with you and then the ghost throws yes. the ball yes. at the door. I mean, from the story, it sounds like the cat probably batted it into the door. That's is that the unusual behavior for the cat? Is the cat seeming agitated and freaked out or playful and engaged? Yeah. Those are really important. You know, you could have a spirit who loves cats. You could have a spirit that's actually a ball of yarn. I know I sound silly right now, but still, yeah. like, it, there's not a... I think that people have a, a fixed idea of reality. And when we experience something that contradicts our fixed idea of reality, a lot of us get creeped. And that's fair, but shouldn't be confused with danger, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that could be applied to social situations and cultural situations as well as to ghosts, right? Mm -hmm. um, just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's dangerous. Um, and just because idealistically you want your ghost to be a friendly ghost doesn't mean it is. So mm -hmm. I don't know what the answer is, but clearing the energy of a space you move into for me is a no brainer and should be done. Personally, me, I sage at least once a week in my home, just like I clean my home once a week because that's not always true. I was, I lied. I lied to you guys. Sometimes I'm messy, but I should all those things. And you know, using sage or other uh, similar tools, can be a very effective way of doing that. You know, it's just clearing energy, moving it along. There are many other ways, but that's a common and accessible one. Do you do that to yourself at the end of the day after you've been like dealing with other people's energy and talking across, I, across the veil? I do that all day long. Often when I'm working with a client and I am talking to a dead person for them or with them, I will Sometimes I'll light sage during the session to like help them out of my system. Did you read the story about the people finding the sarcophagus in Egypt? 
No. Oh, my God. What is Twitter showing me? I don't even know. Twitter showed me this. Um, in Egypt, they were digging, and they found this giant black, like, granite sarcophagus that they had that they were like, who's like, it was huge and it was really heavy. And for some reason, the entire internet was like, if you open that, you're going to unleash a curse of a thousand years of darkness because it was that kind of a spooky vibe. Like they found the sarcophagus and they're like, whose is this? Like, what is in here? It's so big. It was like looking very shiny and black. And then they finally opened it. And like the scientist gave a, a interview to reporters and was like, I stuck my head in there first, and look at me. I got no curse, which seems like famous last words to me. Yeah. But they found a family of skeletons. I'm going to presume they were human. A family of a family of skeletons in there, but floating in some red water that I think was some sewage that had leaked in. But it made it extra creepy to be like, oh, they're just floating in red liquid. It's just skeletons floating in red liquid. Don't worry, everybody. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, give that a Google. It's a Googler. I will give that a real... I won't really Google it. I will duck, duck, go it. What's that? So I'm really serious about cybersecurity. And the thing about Google is every single one of your searches Mm -hmm. is um, tracked, right? Mm -hmm. And fed to advertisers and could be to the government or whatever. I'm not paranoid. I'm just saying. And duck, duck, go is one of the many search engines that does not do that. And it is like the safe stealth way of using the internet so it doesn't feed you results like google does because google's feeding you results based on its algorithms on you whereas duckduckgo gives you the most literal match response so sometimes it's a little like frustrating because it's not as effective as google um for the lazy internet searcher Mm -hmm. which we all are at times um but anyways, I am a firm advocate of cybersecurity um, and managing your digital footprint. Um, and DuckDuckGo is a really good, use, useful uh, resource for that. Well, you're going to see some pictures of the red liquid and the skeletons. I'm and so freaked out. The guy that. who's proudly saying, I ain't got no curse. Look at me. I stuck my head right in that coffin first and foremost. Someone should tell him that curses don't always actually like manifest that minute. Like it could be, you know, all of your children are born without teeth or something. Nobody knows. But also I don't think there was a curse associated with it. What, whose idea is that? Indiana Jones? Well, it's like because everyone watched all the mummy movies, I think. So they were like, don't open like the whole yeah. world. But then a bunch of people were tweeting like, well, how are we going to even know if we get cursed? How is it different than what's happening right now? Oh, my God. That's the realest thing I've heard all day. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. They're like, it couldn't be any worse no. than what's happening I mean, right it now. Can. It can be so much worse. Don't get me started on the astrology of it all. But um, it can be worse. But but also, let's hope it's not. Astrologically, are you feeling hopeful for this year? No. Okay. Um, let's talk about our last question. We have another question. It's the... Oh, we have two more questions. Okay, two more questions. The signing line question. The signing line. The one about um, whether or not it's creepy to talk to people. Oh, 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 signing line. That's what you mean. Yeah, mm -hmm, that's true. Okay, long-time listener, first-time caller. After watching a live performance, I'm often compelled to talk to the artist, but I'm stopped short for a lack of words. I'm afraid that just saying, I'm a huge fan, great job tonight. Sorry, I did that with so much feeling. Falls flat, and I want to have something uh, refreshing and genuine to say to this person I respect as a creator without coming on way too strong and freaking them out. As an artist, what kinds of things do you appreciate that people say to you at readings? Is it weird to see someone in the audience who does not come to talk to you in the end? No. Uh, Sorry, I answered that. I'm not an artist. Bonus question. What if someone already has your book but still wants to say something? What is the etiquette of doing so? I.e., should they wait in the signing line and how much time should they take to talk to you? These are very good questions. These are good questions. Okay, so I want to say that sometimes when people do things good – and you think the thing they did was good, you take for granted that they know it. And, like, that even happens with their friends or whatever. So you could have a friend that's a singer, and, like, you're like, oh, that, they did such a good job. They must know they did such a good job. Mm-hmm. They may not. Don't take it for granted. They don't know. They're living in their own head. They hear that voice every day. So you going out of your way to say, hey, I really enjoyed that. That was really good. That did something for me, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's meaningful to that artist. Even 100%. if Even if in the moment that artist is – overwhelmed with other people or like a little out of their body because they just finished a performance or something and so they don't Mm -hmm. collapse into tears and say thank you thank you thank you it means something 
100%. There's so much negative feedback. There's so much uh, criticism in the world and cruelty and all of that. And if your question is, should I say something kind and affirming of an artist's work or of, uh, you know, somebody who does activism and shares what they've learned about the world with you or any person who takes risks and put them, puts themselves out there in the world, the answer is always going to be yes. Always it is yes. Now how you do it, we have variations on how to do it. But I think that I agree completely. Like you always want to assume that people like being treated with kindness and they'd like being appreciated for their efforts because it takes great effort to make yourself vulnerable and mm-hmm. put yourself out in the world. Yeah. And especially if we're talking about like a, a a female person, they're probably getting shit on or criticized or whatever. Um, person of color, queer person. I mean, you just want to assume that you can be a voice of yes in a sea of no. Yeah. How long should you take up their time if you don't have a book? So say it's me. Mm-hmm. Say I did a performance and you were like, bravo, bravo. <laughs> and you went, I would say bring a gift. It doesn't have to be like a you know, a giant box from Harry and David or whatever. It can be like you write on a piece of paper with your ballpoint pen while you're in line, like, thank you or whatever. I drew a, I drew you a flower. Like, you know, like it doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't have to be in the good drawing. Just, I drew you a flower. Here's the thing. Thank you for doing what you do or whatever. And then you have a reason for stand. Then you stand in line and you're like, oh, I wanted to give you this. I just want to tell you I love your book or blah, blah, blah. Thank you for doing that thing. And then the person's like, thank you. That's really nice to hear. What's your name? And you're like, Bart. And they're like, oh, Bart. Is my... Simpson? Yeah. It's a... Was that in your mind, Simpson? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Bart, it's my brother's name. Anyway, it's a... but you just take up like a couple minutes of their time, but you're giving them something, mm-hmm. which I think is really nice. It doesn't have to be something fancy. Like Mark Marin will go places and people will bake him cookies and stuff. Oh, my God. I'm saying draw a flower on a piece of paper, say thanks for blah, 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 give it to them. I'm a... I like to give fan letters. Little gifts, little drawings, zines, comics to people I like. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I'm not an artist, so this isn't this question isn't really for me. But I will say, but yeah, people talk to you after conferences and stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely, people do. And um, I would say that I wouldn't like physical things myself. Mm. So this is the thing: when you're talking about people, you're talking about individuals, and everyone's different. But for me, I get energy off of objects, and I don't want to take anyone's energy home. Um, so I wouldn't enjoy gifts. I would. I really enjoy people being kind and um, I I mean, I do get DMs every day from people sharing like an appreciation and being kind and it literally, I, I can't describe how much it means to me. Like it changes my energy, it changes my day, it, cha- it, it helps buoy me because it's hard, you know, the world is hard, it's hard to be... I, I'm very shy and I'm very introverted, so I have a hard time putting myself out there. I do it all the time, but I, I do have a hard time with it. So I really appreciate that stuff. I feel like the only downside of kind of putting, of walking up to a person and telling them how much you like their work is when you pause and wait for them to give a lengthy response. Because when you are a fan of someone's work, you have this relationship with them that's deeply emotional and it's based in um, you experiencing their mind and experiencing their body and experiencing how they present themselves. But if you're approaching that person, that person has never seen you before and has nothing to base anything on other than what you give them. So if you share a great deal and are waiting for a response, for me, that's a really can be a really awkward thing because I'm I'm just like, I want to be nice and I'm not sure what that means in this moment. And like, it can make me feel um, pressured instead of like having that lovely moment. Let's say like, let go of your expectations. Yes. It's like I'm giving them, I'm telling them this meant a lot to me because I feel like I want to tell them this meant a lot. For yes. Me, the end. The, it has to be the end. And I definitely have experience with some people and, and you know, my work is unique in this way. It may be, but where their appreciation of my work is attached to them asking me for giving them more. And, um, that doesn't feel awesome because it's like, thank you. No. (laughs) And I'd rather, (laughs) I'd rather, you know, if you, if you want to say that you appreciate someone, yeah, just go there. And if you want to ask them for something 
for free or something extra. Maybe maybe do that a different day. Maybe just let your nice thing be the nice thing you're doing. But everyone's trying to hop the line and get something from you for free. It's like you're a doctor and someone at the sidelines like taking off their shirt, be like, We just look oh at this God. mole. You just look at this mole for me. I have no idea. When I lecture on medical astrology, the line because I am a medical astrologer, medical intuitive, the line that often happens uh, from people in the audience being like, But I got I got this in my my heart arrhythmia or whatever. Like, it's just like, there's like a lot of things that happen with that. Like, oh my God, make an appointment. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I, I get DMS, I get a lot more DMS from people thanking me for what I do and appreciating that I put out so much free content than I do from this other kind of person. But I do multiple times a day, get emails and DMS from people being like, I know you're booked up for a year in advance, but, but can you get me in this weekend? And I also get multiple DMs a day from people being like, I'm not asking you for free advice, but what should I do about my ex-girlfriend? And, you know, and I just think that, um, I think that when you are vulnerable and you think someone can help you or when you love someone's art and you, you want to like get their feedback or their advice about something, it, it feels because you have a relationship to that person and the work, it feels personal and it doesn't feel like you're burdening them. And so I, I'm generally not, not mad when people do that, but I, but you want to consider that the person you're dealing with is a person who's only one person and that one person has like friends and family and like maybe, maybe they have gas because they eat dairy and they shouldn't eat dairy. Maybe they're like having a day, like hold space for when you ask someone for something or you put someone, something at someone's feet that they may not be coming from the place you think they are. They're a person. I think people forget that about artists and stuff like that, Yeah. which is why I won't read the charts of famous people. And I get asked to like in professional context, mm. a fair amount, but I I'm against that. Oh, because you're like, that's just a private person. That's a private citizen. Yeah. And they did one thing. They did a song you liked. So now yeah. we're going to like dig into. It's not fair. Everything. Yeah. yeah. It's not fair. It's making assumption that everything's like fair game. And I think for artists and creative people, it shouldn't be. Politicians, different different story to me. But like for people who are civilians, I think that um, it's okay to be an artist who's like prolific and amazing and touches your heart. And it's not your fucking business what they're doing with their personal life, mm-hmm. whether or not they have big dick energy, whatever. Okay. I hate, I hate it so much. Yeah. I hate it so much. Yeah, me too. BDE. Yeah. It's so like, I don't know what the word is. Bodyist? I don't know what the word yeah. is, but I'm just like, are you trying to say that person has confidence and you're wondering where it comes from? Like, yeah. like can you just say that? Like, does it have to be associated yeah. with a part of his growth? Like, I just, Pete Davidson, like, no. Yeah. I just don't want to be talking about people's... Yeah. bodies like Although that I will say that I have big dick energy and I want I want the the internet to know that I have big dick energy and it has nothing to do with dick but that's a problem is with him it does I know I'm just like I know I know I know I know I respect I respect there's people with small dicks where are they supposed to go today's episode of Sagittarian Matters brought to you by cute fruit undies Mary Pinson Gabriel Song Darling, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, and Christy Herod. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, including producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet, like the insect, leg, like its appendage, at gmail. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Um, do you have a question for me? I do. I do have a question for you that I've been dying to ask you. Okay. Uh, how do you do a podcast? Oh, how, do, how does one do a podcast? Not just one. Me? You. Okay. Well, here's how we do it. This is a question that, this is a FAQ. FAQ. This is an FAQ. I wish the dog could talk. Producer Ponyo has a lot to say. <laughs> so the, the podcast, it consists of... Me, Nicole, the host. Producer Ponyo, who is my assistant who comes with me to, you know, to things and uh, provides a little extra. Um, Producer Chris, who is the human being in Portland, Oregon, who actually does 
um, the audio levels, the editing, and posts it online. And then intern Danette, who I think we've called associate producer before, who sometimes um, posts things on social media and reaches out to sponsors for us. Mm. So it's a four-person team right now. Three-person, one-dog team right now. Um, and sometimes it's just me, Chris, and Ponyo. Sometimes I'm, yeah. So what we do is I use my iPhone. We have had a couple different microphones. We've had three different kinds of microphones. We've had a snowball, and we've had two of the ones that are like the brick with the two microphones on it. One of which you gave to me, which is in my closet in Los Angeles right now. But when you listen to that podcast, at the very end, you'll hear me say, Sagittarian Matters is brought to you by blah, 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 blah. That audio is on a box, like the little, like a, a microphone, and it sounds less good than me talking real close into my iPhone. Weird. Which drives me crazy because sometimes I feel like I'm interviewing fancy people and I don't want them to think that I'm like Harriet the Spy. Like, I don't want them to think that I'm just like a kid that just, like, you know, stumbled off the bus with. You know, like with like the word press written on a post-it note tacked to the side I of my head. I have to admit, though, that now that you say Harriet the Spy, you low-key are Harriet the Spy. <laughs> and I am so into it. I can barely stand it. I'm like, why didn't I see it? Where was I? I really loved her as a kid sure so much. Yeah, I loved her, too. But so we end up using the iPhone. And, you know, I think that at some point that could change. But it just we haven't found something that sounds better and is easier. And so, so I have it in voice memos and then I, depending on what's going on the week, it used to be that producer Chris would listen and edit for vibe Mm -hmm. and then he would send me his edits on Wednesday and then we would post it Thursday night, but he has a baby now. Producer Chris has a baby who's almost a year old named Vivian Galaxy. Oh my God. And so more often than not, I will listen to it and I will write down the time codes of places where I think it drags or I want to cut something out, or if I want to rearrange things. So then Thursday night, every Thursday night, I send producer Chris, this takes me about two hours. I send him all my audio edits. I send him the new recordings of the sponsors and the intros um, and the bios and whatever else. And I send that to him. And then he sits down with his headphones on and does it for like two or three hours. I don't know how long. Thursday night, he posts it Friday at like two o'clock in the morning. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. That's cool. Is it very labor intensive? I feel I feel like it is in the way that like, you know, setting up interviews takes time, getting myself to the interviews takes time, doing the interviews takes time, listening to them again for edits and then creating all the the wording and finding the pictures and recording all the audio. I feel like it ends up you could say it takes me like 2 to 4 hours a week, 2 to 5 hours a week depending on what's up mm-hmm. interesting 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 and then it takes producer chris you know at least a couple hours i think but we do have a lot of the stuff just set up so he can drop it in mm-hmm. we have the theme music done we have <clears throat> you know the ads or sponsors if they're the same from week to week done yeah i don't know it's it's a little time intensive it's a labor of love it's important for us to put it out consistently mm-hmm. that's important for us but i think if i had to do it again i would do it every other week yeah, that makes sense because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And so sometimes, like when I was just home for a month, I was my, my productivity coach, Alec, was like, this month while you're home, I think that you should just bank as many advice blogs and as many um, episodes of the podcast as you can. So when you're in San Francisco, you have nothing to do. And I was like, that's great. That's great, coach. And then I banked as many episodes as I could. But that ended up being as many weeks as there were in the month. Like it's just right. – it's a lot of fucking episodes. Yeah, it's a lot of episodes. Every week is a lot. And as a listener, it doesn't feel like enough, right? It's, I mean, it takes so much time and effort and energy to, I mean, I make blog posts every day and that takes so much, you know, it's not just the, it's not the effort of doing it. It's the, the mind space of maintaining it. It's not just the thing. It's all the things around the thing. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine with the podcast, how much more it is, Mm -hmm. but it's fun. And like part of the reason, like we off camera, off mic, we were talking about money a little bit, but producer Chris and I, we do it for fun. And so we don't want to put a monetary value on it necessarily because I don't want to be like, well, I'm only getting paid for three hours and I just spent four hours. Like I don't want to have any kind of resentment attached to the podcast. Mm -hmm. I want to do it because it's joyful, but when we get 
sponsorships, when we get um, people just sending in pledges because they like the podcast, it goes directly to producer Chris. Or for sponsorships, you know, we split it and part of it goes to me. That's awesome. I mean, I think it's very obvious that it's a labor of love, Thanks. which is nice. Yeah. yeah. And I, I personally, I mean, I love uh, creating content that's free. I mean, it's not possible to do all the time because people, you know, need to buy food and such and thus. But, you know, it's definitely a, uh, a different it's, it's nice to be motivated by the act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's fun for us because with the podcast, you don't even understand how many people are listening to it. And so then when I meet, when people see me on the street, when people hear my voice at a convention, when people come up to me random places and say like, I love your podcast or people tweet or Instagram or whatever, or send me Facebook messages. They're like, this is my favorite podcast. It makes me really happy. And I know that a lot of the voices we're broadcasting aren't readily available anywhere else yeah that's that's really awesome and thank you for sharing that because it's really it's it's very interesting no problem no problem jessica lignato it's my name what are three things that you like or recommend this week oh my okay if you're not already either listening to amy siskin's uh podcast on anchor called the list or reading her um her list uh, do it. I'm not going to even tell you what it's about. Just what is it? What is it? Okay, fine. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's a week by week reckoning of Trump's first year is the book. And what it is, is every week she compiles this list of things that are subtly changing in our democracy as we move towards, you know, having this fascist. Um, I mean, we already have a fascist as he moves more firmly into fascism. And so she is not tracking what is a what is normal for a Republican to do. You know, she is tracking what she what him and his and his administration are doing that are outside of what is normal for our democracy. And um, it's a lot to read the podcast. She just started doing it long ago and I love it. It's really accessible and it's amazing. And I, I just it's such a great resource. And this woman is, you know. I'm so grateful she's doing this work. So uh, that's one thing. Um, what was the question again? The oh, you oh, three things you like. Another one you're recommending to me off air. Um, a Hannah Gadsby joint. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, Hannah Gadsby. Um, first of all, just uh, neon heart around her name with lots of sparkles. Okay, uh, but she had a very short-lived. YouTube series called Renaissance Woman. And it is my favorite thing in the world. I am so bored by art. I'm not a smart person. I'm not a scholar. I'm not a scholar. I just am not like art history interested. But watching her YouTube series, which was very short-lived, sadly, on uh, it's called the Renaissance Woman on art history is so interesting, so engaging, so funny, and so just educational. Guys, you got to watch it. It's Amazing. How many episodes are there? I think there was four, maybe three, like so few. So be prepared to weep. And then when you're done weeping, hold yourself and then watch it again. And then if you haven't already seen Please Like Me, which I loved that show. I don't think there's any more uh, seasons happening, but I really loved that show. You could watch that if you want more of that. But nothing is as good as Renaissance Woman. Oh, my God. Love it. Do you have any last recommendations for us? Yes. Cats. They're superior. They're snuggly. If you can get them to snuggle, it's fantastic. Um, just give them, you know, give them a little wide berth when they look like they want to rip your face off and you're chill. All right. Cats. Cool. Yeah. What do I like this week? Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I sure. like dogs this week. But I got to say, and this is, you know, nobody asks, but I just really feel like always reiterating, people need to choose a dog based on what that dog is good at doing. Ponyo, people will be like, how did you get the perfect dog? Well, it's because she doesn't have another job. Like her job is to bark at the door and to be attentive and snuggly to her human. You get a corgi, it's meant to herd. You get a terrier, it's meant to hunt small things. You get, you know, one of those other bigger dogs, they want a lot of exercise. And so that dog is not going to act the way that you want them to act like a ponyo. I have to say something about the hunting of small things. I saw a Vice video recently. Oh, did you see it? The terriers that people take out at night in New York to hunt mammoth rats. Yeah, that you saw it. 
I didn't know. I heard of This American Life about it. And then somehow I just psychically knew that that's what you were talking about. <laughs> I love a little psychic. Okay. You have to watch it. Some of these rats are larger than your dog. That's disgusting. Oh my God. It's so gross. I, you have to watch it. It's gross, but it's like so real. It's like these people are like, my dog's a terrier. It's meant to hunt small things. I'm helping it satisfy its most primal urge by taking it out at night and like rustling these rats out of a trash pile. So New Yorker. It's like such this, this, it's really, I want, I don't want to ruin anything. I want you guys to watch it, but I will say that many of these humans pick up by the tail these dead <laughs> or almost dead rats. There's a lot going on. It's worth watching. That's a lot. I mean, I looked after I listened to This American Life, or maybe it was Radio Lab. I looked at their Facebook group, the Ratter people, and they had so many pictures. It's like bad pictures with their dog with red eye, like jumping through the air to yeah. catch a rat yeah. that was like twisting, doing like yeah. gross. It's so gross. Um, but yeah, so I want to I wanted to give a shout out to Breed. Think about the breed and don't, but don't get attached to breed. Don't get attached to like, yeah. but I think a French bulldog is so cute because I saw it. And she's like, you know what? What are the ethics behind that? Yes. What are the ethics behind a French bulldog? I mean, I, I can't, thought. I don't want to alienate my listeners, but I have a lot of thoughts about that. I mean, I don't mind. I, I don't want to alienate anyone, but the ethics are really worth considering. It's worth considering with the purebred and, and with the dog who you're making do something that it doesn't want to do. And yeah. with the dog that has to be birthed by cesarean section. By human operation. I mean, it's very fucked up. And that said, I have known French bulldogs. I have loved French bulldogs. Beautiful. It's not their fault that they're born into this really fucked up set of circumstances. But let's not pretend that they're not born into really fucked up circumstances. I mean, it's it's problematic like fetishizing the funny way they look is the thing that made their head so big that they can't swim or be birthed naturally so just like if we could just like take a chill back yeah. from the like kawaii thing yeah. about dogs i think that would be good for us yeah i think it'd be great for us i want to say i out hippied the people at rainbow grocery um, i un- impossible i asked somebody there where if they had carob chips and he was like oh it was, he was basically like, I haven't heard that name in years. He was, he was like, I don't even know if we do. And then he took me there and I saw them and he was very surprised. And also he was surprised that anybody wanted to buy them. Okay, so here's the thing I have to ask because they can't see right now. But do they know that while you're telling this story about out hippieing somebody at Rainbow and Carob Chips that you're wearing a denim jumpsuit and you have braids in your hair <laughs> and a pencil sticking out of your braids? Because you can out hippie anyone without even telling the story. And I have armpit hair that you can't see. Okay, well, yeah. you know, I mean, if only you were looking. Hey, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so all right, so I'm I mean if I I'm gonna go home later and eat the carob chips with some raisins. It's while I'm wearing my denim jumpsuit with my braids and my pencil probably still sticking out of my yeah. hair. Yeah, you look like a I don't know, punk farmer's daughter. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so You're much. Welcome. I am from Kansas. Um my last thing, because I have to think of another thing, is I love hosting in conversations. I just did one with Julia Wirtz at CCA. And so if you find yourself living somewhere where I frequent and you have to have an in-conversation, maybe you're a bookstore, maybe you're a college, and you're looking for someone to interview people on stage, think of me. Oh, I'm already thinking of you, but I have none of those things. Yeah. You know, you know you're like, we're having an astrology conference, and we need someone who knows very little about the subject. Excellent. Come on through. Yeah, do that. Mm-hmm. I'll MC. Jess Gognato, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody, for sending questions, too. Your fan favorite. I'm sure that's not true because I know all the people you have on your podcast, but I appreciate it. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.